0: Well good morning everybody, my name is Kevin, I serve here on the pastoral staff, and uh, hopefully you've all caught your breath after a little bit of movement in the morning, that's good for you. Let's get this settled here, there we go. So it's the third week of Advent, as our youth uh, let us know when they they lit the candle. Uh, Today we celebrate the, the shepherd's candle, the joy candle. In the liturgical tradition, uh, the candle is a pink one uh, in the midst of the purple to show joy in the midst of serious reflection and waiting and, and preparation that are part of the Advent season. So, this morning we're going to focus on joy. And there's lots of different ways for us to be thinking about joy from a, from a biblical perspective. Um, if we look at Nehemiah chapter er, 8, verse 12, we see joy as a celebration. It says, then all the people went away to eat and drink and send portions of food to celebrate with great joy. First Chronicle talks about uh, joy as praise. Let the trees of the forest sing, let them sing for joy before the Lord. And then it switches with, with what joy, how joy is presented uh, in Job chapter 6 is more of a, a satisfaction for, a, for an accomplished task or a good job says, oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant me what I hope for, that God would be willing to crush me, to let loose his hand and cut off my life. Then I would still have this consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain, that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. Gets a little more somber than what we're used to with joy, joy in unrelenting pain, cutting off his life. Joy isn't always happy. There's sometimes that joy is mixed. We see this in uh, Matthew 28 as well. Uh, it says, where or, or joy and fear are mixed. The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. So that's more of a, similar to the, to the story that we're looking at today with the shepherds of fear and joy being mixed together. So today I'm going to talk about uh, the joy that comes when a better future is assured. It's the excitement as we anticipate something better, even in the midst of a challenging present reality. For those of you that take notes, you can write down, we can have joy when a better future is assured. For those of you that are familiar with FX and the, the bottom line, The bottom line this morning is we can have joy when a better future is assured. So, uh, some examples of what I'm talking about here. Earlier this week, I found out that uh, everyone in my house had plans for Friday night except me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. As an introvert, there was great rejoicing. I had a Friday night to myself, and the reason I felt joy is because I knew that the events that were planned that my family were going to were very unlikely to be canceled. They were happening, and my kids, my wife, they were going to these events. I knew days in advance that I had Friday night to myself, and there was great joy. Another example for kids, those of you who act like kids, there's only two weeks until Christmas, until you get to open presents. For those kids that are coming from homes in a good financial position, with a good history of presents being given, there is great joy. But for those whose families are struggling, and there isn't certainty about whether or not there will be many gifts under the tree, Joy is much less likely. The certainty just isn't quite there. In both situations, joy comes when a better future is assured. Whether it's a quiet night at home or whether it's opening presents, the certainty of a better future to come causes joy. So before we dive too deep into that, uh, I want to show you a video um, it's by a Bible project. It's a video that describes joy. And it, it, I was going to kind of walk through the Bible about what, how joy lays out, but then I found a video and they can do it way better than I can. So we're going to show that, but it goes quick. So you have to be ready for this. So I'm going to give you a few quotes here that just to stand out that you can be listening for as we, as we watch this video. It says, joy is an attitude God's people adopt, not because of circumstance, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. Another uh, quote is, the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. When you believe God's love has overcome hardship and suffering, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. So let's watch this video and, uh, and then I'll come back and we'll talk a little further.
1: Being in a good mood is really great, and most languages have lots of words to describe the experience, like happy, cheerful, joyful, and so on. The same goes for the languages of the Bible. In ancient biblical Hebrew, there's a variety of words, like simcha, sason, or gil. In the Greek New Testament, there's kara, euphrasune, or agaliasis. Each word has its own unique nuance, but they all basically refer to the feeling of joy and happiness. Now what makes these biblical joy words interesting is noticing the kinds of things that bring happiness and also seeing how joy is a key theme that runs through the whole story of the Bible. Let's start with sources of joy. On page one of the Bible, God says that this world is very good. And so naturally, people find joy in beautiful and good things of life, like growing flocks or an abundant harvest on the hills. The poet of Psalm 104 says a good bottle of wine is God's gift to bring joy to people's hearts. People find joy at a wedding or in their children. There's even a Hebrew proverb that compares the joy that perfume brings to your nose with the joy a good friend brings to your heart. However, human history isn't just a joy fest. The biblical story shows how we live in a world that has been corrupted by our own selfishness. It is marked by death and loss. and This is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. It is an attitude God's people adopt Not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did was sing for joy. Even though they were in the middle of a desert, they were vulnerable, the promised land was still far away, they rejoiced anyway. Later biblical poets looked back on this story and they remembered how the Lord caused his people to leave with joy, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. This joy in the wilderness, this was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles but by their future destiny. This theme appears later in Israel's story, when Israel suffered under the oppression of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah looked for a day when God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses. That's when those redeemed by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. And while the Israelites waited, they chose joy to anticipate their future redemption. This is why it's significant that when Jesus of Nazareth was born, it was announced as good news that brings great joy. We're told that Jesus himself rejoiced and gave thanks to God, his Father, when he began to announce the kingdom of God. He even taught his followers the same joy in the wilderness, saying, When people reject you or persecute you for following me, rejoice, be very glad, because your reward is great in heaven. After his death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to go out and announce the good news that he was the risen king of the world. And as they did so, the early Christian communities were known for being full of joy, even when they were persecuted. Like when the Apostle Paul was sitting in a dirty Roman prison, he could say that he's chosen joy, even if he gets executed. He called this the joy of faith, or joy in the Lord. He believed it was the gift of God's Spirit, a sign that Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. Now, this doesn't mean that you ignore or suppress your sorrow. That's not healthy or necessary. Paul often expressed his grief about missing loved ones or losing friends or his own freedom. He called it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. As he acknowledged his pain he also made a choice to trust Jesus, that his loss wouldn't be the final word. This is very different from the trite advice to turn that frown upside down. Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus's own life and love. And that's what biblical joy is all about.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't have done it like, you know, in a couple minutes like that. Uh, if you want to see that video again, uh, we have in the link of, of sermon uh, discussion questions. Uh, that link is in there, and you can uh, watch it again or search uh, the Bible Project. So the video gives us a quick overview of, of biblical a biblical perspective of joy. It's hopeful, it's future focused, and it's not just a response to our current circumstances. Joy is future focused because often it ends up pointing us backwards. Um, the Israelites leaving slavery in Egypt, so they're, they're joyful, they, they're no longer slaves, they're no longer waiting, they're no longer in pain, they're no longer in grief, hunger, sickness. Joy relates to leaving bad stuff behind, because we know that we have a better future, we, have, we know we have good stuff that's assured ahead of us. And as a result, we can have joy even if we haven't experienced the, the promised coming future, because we know our reward is certain. We know that Christmas is coming two weeks from now, or we know that we have the house to ourselves on Friday night. To illustrate, we can, we can look at the opposite. It's hard to be joyful when the future is uncertain. So the promise of someone, saying, of, of someone that you love spending quality time together, they're going to come, but you know that they're a notorious workaholic, and in the past, they've consistently been called into the office. It leaves a little bit of doubt as to whether or not there will be last-minute cancellation. So even though we might look forward to it because of the lack of certainty, we might feel good or might feel happy, but joy isn't the right word because we don't have that certainty. It's more like we have optimism. We're optimistic. We're hopeful. Similar to the kid who isn't sure if presents will be under the tree this year. Joy is, is connected with certainty. So, this is why, in my perspective, that many in our world have struggled over the past few years. Many thought that their health and their freedom and their finances were secure. And then, when those things came into doubt or were being questioned, they were left with some uneasy feelings. The focus of many people's hope was themselves, or the government, or their finances, and it wasn't as secure as they had thought. And so they were left disappointed, left with a couple of years of struggling to have joy. I know at this point, that many people uh, blame God, because they thought he had given them these things, and now he was taking them away. And this is similar to the behavior of the Israelites. They lacked faith in God and didn't follow his ways, and as a result, other nations came and they dominated them. And who did the Israelites blame for this? Well, God. It's his fault. He disappointed us. And yet, as we look back now from our perspective, we can see that God's word remained true. It took some time, but he would deliver his people and he would provide for them. He did this at the Red Sea, and he did this by sending Jesus. And so that brings us to the passage that uh, Michael read it as, uh, in Luke 2. And at the time, there was great hope among the Israelite people that God would be sending a Messiah, a Savior. We saw this in the, in the video. Even when their faith was misplaced, there was hope that a Messiah would come to rescue them. And so after centuries of oppression, the, announcements by the, the announcement by the angels to the shepherd would cause great joy for all the people. When an angel tells you, when a heavenly host tells you, there, there's certainty that comes with that. And the certainty was for the shepherds when they had this announcement was that today in the town of David, A Savior has been born, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. When a heavenly host of angels says that that has happened, the future is secure. They are saved. The Messiah is born. Their future is secure. And there is great joy. It's important to realize, though, that that our present circumstances don't really affect joy. Joy comes when a better future is assured, but our present circumstances can remain unchanged. When I knew I had a free night coming, I still needed to go to work, take out the garbage, drive the kids around, wait a few days, do the normal life stuff that still had to happen. Kids still need to wait two weeks of school, chores, all those things. Their life hasn't changed before they have to get to open presence. For the shepherds, their reality hadn't really changed. The Romans were still in charge. The shepherds were still poor. Their present reality was that it wasn't going to be be for another 30 years. There's going to be 30 more years of oppression while Jesus grew up and before he even started his ministry. And then it would be a few more years before Jesus died and rose again and the Holy Spirit was poured out and the birth of the church happened. These shepherds, the actual shepherds, may not have actually seen the tangible results of Jesus' birth. But because they knew the Messiah had come, their future was secure. They could have joy. They could have joy even in the midst of hardships of normal shepherd life because their future was secure. It's important to note that the joy is for all the people. The shepherds were told by the angels that the Savior, the Messiah, had been born. Freedom is coming, and it is for everyone. The shepherds were the lowest of the commoners. In these days, an announcement of a king was for the upper crust of society. It's here where commoners are involved. Mary, a common girl. Bethlehem. Not really your big city of Jerusalem. A stable, a manger, not a throne room. And God reveals himself to the lowly, the humble, the weak, the common. And In his ministry, Jesus reveals himself to those who recognize they have need. The sick, not the well. Joy is available to all the people. Everyone. This is because we all long for a better future than what we have. Whether your life is great or whether you're at a low point in your struggles, we all long for something better. Picture the the richest, wealthiest, happiest, whatever person that you can imagine. They still experience joy when they have another grandchild, when they get invited to a special group, or when their health is restored. It's because their future is getting better. No matter how great life here on earth is for anyone, it is incomplete. Creation is lacking. Every person's, person's earthly experience has room for improvement. Our belief based on the story of the Bible is that the reason our created existence is lacking is the result of sin. Our world is not the perfect, in the perfect relationship with God that we were originally created to have. And so when our life improves, it gives us a glimpse of the way things should be and we believe will be when God restores it back to its original perfection when he returns. And so we can and we should have joy in the things that make our life better, but we need to recognize that none of those things will ever fully satisfy The greatest present under the tree is only temporary. That greatest relationship that you have longed for will still include conflict. Even a quiet night at home can actually get a little boring. These wonderful joy-inducing gifts are incomplete, but they do give us a glimpse, they give us that foreshadowing of a feeling of eternal joy that we can have When God fully restores creation. And so we rejoice when good things happen. We celebrate and praise God when we receive a good gift this Christmas. But we need to be aware that the good moments and the bad moments all need to be put into the context of God's eternal plan. Joy will be found when a better future is assured. But only complete joy will be felt when our eternal relationship with God is restored. And that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. I focused a lot on on joy in the midst of of positive and, and happy situations, which I think is appropriate. We're a prosperous, we're a wealthy congregation, and we have so much to be thankful for as we compare ourselves with others around the world who face a whole lot less certainty In the midst of war, in the midst of famine, in the midst of persecution. But I'm I'm fully aware that many of you here are actually going through extremely challenging times. Uh, If you read the weekly email, you saw that Elmer Brown started chemo on Thursday. We know that Christmas is a lonely time for those of you who have lost loved ones. So in no way do we want to minimize the pain that uh, you're experiencing in the video paul pointed uh to the the the, the circumstance of, of paul being in, in prison he talked about sorrow and yet rejoicing like the shepherds or like the women at the tomb joy can be kind of mixed emotion in the in a video it said christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of jesus's own life and love. Joy is not dependent on our circumstances. It is dependent on our confident assurance of Jesus' victory over sin, death, evil, sickness, loneliness, persecution, anxiety, self loathing, the list goes on. This doesn't need, mean you need to be happy if you're in the midst of struggles. Paul wasn't happy about being in prison. He recognized, though, that it was an opportunity to show joy because he was confident in a better eternal future. No one could take that away from him. So, regardless of your current circumstances, the reason that all people can have joy is the same as the shepherds. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, he is the Messiah. The Lord. Because Jesus came to earth and died for our sin, our eternal relationship with God is restored and it is secure, it is assured. Advent is a season of anticipation, of waiting, of preparing. We get ready to celebrate Christ's birth but it also prepares us for his second coming. It prepares us for Christ's return. As much as we know we can have a relationship with God and we can have the Holy Spirit living in us, we still recognize the presence of sin in our world. The power of sin has been defeated by Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, but the presence of sin is still felt in our world. And so we wait for creation to be fully restored at Christ's return. And in the midst of our waiting, we can have joy. Even in the darkest of circumstances, because we are assured of his coming glory. The video said, When you believe Jesus' love has overcome hardship and suffering, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. I'm going to conclude with a passage from First Peter. I'll call up the, the worship team now. It's a passage that assures believers of their salvation in the midst of struggles. And as a result of their assurance, believers can have joy in the Lord. Let me read to you this passage uh, from First Peter. It's uh, verses one verses uh, three to nine. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven. It is secure, it is solid, it is assured for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. You are assured. You are solidly convinced. You are guaranteed to receive the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Be joyful, brothers and sisters.